Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hotcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Greg Smith from inside Nebraska this Tuesday morning, kind of out of schedule for us here on a hot cast because of that early game, that Black Friday game this weekend. So, Greg, appreciate you hopping on. Secondarily, you know, well, first thing we usually do when we have a, a, a guest on, especially if they have a new hire for a head coach, is is talk about that head coach and how things have gone in their inaugural season. Uh, Matt Rule, I thought it was an excellent hire, especially compared to the last few that they've tried to make. Thoughts on him and, and his first season? Yeah, you know that it's interesting that you say that because I, I think that I think that it was an excellent hire as well. I think that Matt Rule was about as good of a hire as the athletic director Trev Alberts could have reasonably made, um, and so I and I think that it's gone about, about according to plan or. It, things are further along than you actually would have maybe thought in the off season. Like I think that it's a weird season because it's been such a roller coaster where it felt like Nebraska was, you know, it, well, they doesn't felt. I was going to say it felt like they were in play for seven or eight wins. They actually were. They had five like a, a month ago. It feels like, um, and then have you know been on this losing streak, and so that was in play for them. No one really expected that to be a thing, um, and for a couple of reasons. One, like Nebraska has been bad like for the last several years and Matt Rule um, his MO is kind of to be like even worse than what Nebraska had been his first year right and so for him to come in and have them like on the brink of bowl eligibility for a while now um, it, it has been I think really impressive it is even more impressive when you really dig into kind of the injury situation that Nebraska has faced this year and I'm not sure like it's funny I don't know if you got a chance you probably didn't to watch any of the Wisconsin Nebraska game they talked a lot about uh, the announcers did about the injury situation at Wisconsin not all that much mentioned to the one in Nebraska, which has got to be one of the worst ones in the country. Like Nebraska has lost several starting offensive linemen. I think three at at the most at one time was the most at one time they had out. One of them came back. They lost their top two running backs to injury. The third running back has fumble issues and barely plays now. So they're on their fourth running back. They've played three different quarterbacks. They have lost three wide receivers. Um, like it, it's just kind of a wild situation. And as you notice, almost all of those things, all the things I just said were on offense. Some of the things um, on defense have kind of shuffled in and out, but for the most part, they've been healthy over there and they have much better depth. Um, and so, yeah, the job that Matt Rule and his coaching staff has done has, to me has been very impressive, especially when you start to factor in what's happening um, with the injuries on the offense, which is why the offense looks the way that it does and the over-under is where it is for this game. Oh, well, we'll definitely hit on the over-under <laughs> for, for uh, later on in the pod. But And I also want to talk about the injuries. But to, to go a little bit deeper on, on Matt Rule, um, what's been your gauge as, as far as, like, some key differences from last year to this year and, and the way he and his staff have, have changed things in, in, just, in just one year? I mean, like you said, I was expecting – know three four maybe five wins at the end of the season but but not the the start that they had you know and fallen off a little bit recently and all those injuries but I was not expecting this this kind of first season for for rule in Nebraska yeah I think honestly a couple of there's a couple of things that really stand out one and it sounds silly but communication 
and kind of consistent messaging is something that these guys are really, really good at. And it and it and it ends up kind of trickling down to the players. If you go and listen to a Matt Rule press conference and then you listen to Marcus Satterfield or Tony White, the offensive and defensive coordinator, and then you listen to some players, they all say the same stuff. And I think one of the reasons that that's really important is, is that everybody's kind of pushing and pulling in the same direction and there's true leadership to what they're actually doing, right? There's a rhyme and a reason um, and you can kind of rally behind what they're doing. I think that that's really important for this particular program because I don't think that they've always had that. I, always, I think that they've always kind of been kind of everyone's kind of going their own direction and you don't really have great leadership. So I think that leadership at the top, I think has been one of the things um, that has really stood out to me the other thing is, is that the the emphasis on toughness and tackling, which we've then seen kind of show up on the defensive side where they've been much better tackling um, overall, and that's really helped their defense, which is very good. Um, the toughness has also kind of bled into just how they play. It's really interesting. I'm talking to you about this because I have mentioned several times that I feel like they essentially want to be a version of what Iowa is, which is where you know what you're going to get from them and they're totally comfortable playing in that, right? Like it's one thing to say, oh, well, for right now, we've got to win kind of games this way, right? It's another thing to say, no, that's how we're just going to do it. Like we're gonna, some of these games are going to be ugly. We're going to take it into the fourth quarter but when we get there our guys are going to be prepared and comfortable and ready to go because they're better conditioned they're tougher they know what it takes to go ahead and win those games and that's the type of program that he wants to build uh matt rule and having that kind of consistency and having that be something that is honestly really stated out loud, like the amount of times that we can all, all everyone that covers the team can kind of regurgitate some of these lines to you about body blows and relentless disciplined and violent 75 rushing yards in the fourth quarter, like all of that stuff, because they say it all the time. Um, and I think it's had a real impact on how they play and how they kind of build this program, um, which should be exciting to Nebraska fans for moving forward because they're actually seems like there's a real plan in place for how they want to get this done perfect that you mentioned iowa there was a, a snippet from presser yesterday where uh, matt rule praised both kirk ference and brian ference and said that he would have hired him or would have liked to hire him when he was at, at carolina uh, with the Panthers, uh, Brian, in terms of like bringing him in to be an offensive line coach or a tight ends coach or something like that well, he might have the opportunity to you know, <laughs> right. at Nebraska. Uh, I guess it seemed super genuine to me. Do you think yeah. it was just coach speak, or do you think he actually feels that way about the about uh, the Ferences? Oh no, he feels that way. I can, I like. There's, it's funny. There's, there's a couple of coaching staffs that I feel like he in the Big Ten that he's kind of gone out of his way to make sure that we, like everyone knows that he either knows or likes or wants to like kind of run their program like that. There's been three that have kind of stood out. One of them is kind of ironic now. The Iowa, Iowa has come up a few times, and like you said yesterday, he mentioned that Minnesota is another one that he's talked about with PJ Fleck and kind of how they do things in the kind of the offensive line play the tough defense, that sort of thing, right? I think that that's his road to boat stuff is all, that's his own unique deal, right. but just the way that they play, <laughs> uh, the way they play and the, the way they take care of the line of scrimmage, I think is something. And then it's funny now um, that Michigan is another team that he's mentioned as far as just the physicality that they play with um, and the way that they can still kind of bring some athletes in and still have some guys to be able to throw the ball, but still have that underlying thing of toughness. 
he hasn't mentioned them at all since that game because we've all known what's happened since that game happened um, and everything kind of blew up. Well, he's mentioned them, but it not necessarily in a good way. But the Iowa thing, I definitely think is genuine. Um, and I truly believe that if Matt Rule could like snap his fingers and be like a team in the conference, it would be Iowa. Um, because I think that the way that, and I, I watched um, the end of Iowa's last game, the game against Illinois, the way that they played in that I never felt like in that fourth quarter that even though they were down at one point that they were going to lose that game I felt that they'd find a way to make a play and pull it out in the end and that's that's ultimately what Matt Rule wants for this program he wants them all instead of it feeling like it does now which is oh no they're down or one play happened it's going to go the other way and we've definitely seen that in the Iowa series as well like instead of feeling that it needs to get to that whole okay it happened shake it off we're going to find a way to make this work um I definitely think he has deep admiration for what the fans are doing out there now you mentioned the injuries uh a lot of them being on offense i mean is there is this just i mean because this same thing happened with iowa i i tweeted about it after the cooper de injury i think at starting quarterback two all-american caliber tight ends uh, there was another one in there and uh, that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head. Um, first round draft pick corner, Cooper DeGene, who's also an incredible returner as well. I mean, you just can't real. Oh, uh, defensive tackle, Noah Shannon, that whole situation going on. Obviously all those guys gone. They're still nine and two now, um, d- despite all those injuries, you know, when when things like this have happened, I used to cover the New Orleans Pelicans. Fun fact, uh, kind yeah. of been all over the place. But there were a couple of years where there were strings of injuries, and folks would start talking about the staff. You know, is it is it a staff issue, or is it, what's going on here? Do you, do you point to anything in this situation, or is it just like fluke, bad year for injuries? Because that's just kind of been the general sentiment at Iowa for sure. You know, it's interesting. We uh, we have asked Rule about that a little bit, and he has said that he thinks it's more of a fluke, but then he also adds the caveat, of course, that they'll look at everything in the offseason. My sense is that it's more of a fluke situation. Like, uh, And you'd have to kind of look at each one to kind of see how that goes. Because I know, and one thing that it's kind of low-hanging fruit for people to point to is, I should I should have said this on the things that have changed in the program, is they, they hit a lot more in practice, right? Like this is now a team that definitely tackles in practice, and you can tell that because they're good tackling in the game. But also, they come out of each week, it feels like, with some bumps and bruises, right? <laughs> and so that's kind of the, you know, the yin and the yang, the byproduct of that situation. So some people have kind of blamed it on that, um, but people haven't gone full bore on that. I've, I tend to believe that it's just more of a fluke situation, um, but we'll kind of see. I, I do think that they obviously look at it because Rule is a guy, too, that has really kind of embraced like sports science and all of the stuff that kind of goes behind the scenes um, and kind of keeping athletes recovery and all of that stuff. They have a new facility here that the one of the big selling points on that is, is kind of all of the recovery tubs and all of that stuff. Um, and so he's really in on that stuff and the trackers and all that. And so I would be shocked if he didn't look at everything that he could over the offseason. But I tend to go with it's more of a fluke. And additionally, with all the moving parts, I know Jeff Sims was was a big addition in the offseason, a guy who was seen to be dynamic. Like, what is going on? Is it just is the court like, well, the offense as a whole, obviously all the injuries, obviously those factor in in an immense way. 
obviously I'm not, I'm not just talking about Jeff Sims here either, but like, what is up with the Nebraska offense? Is it simply those injuries? Do you just point to that or, or is it just getting things figured out? What's, what's, what's going on there? Cause I, I could tell you all about Iowa's offense. I couldn't necessarily <laughs> tell you about Nebraska's offense. Yeah, there's really there's there's three things that to, we the injuries have been a huge part of it and the the injuries have made it to where a team that came into the season that like is a it's a rebuild so they didn't have a ton of depth to begin with right and so when you start to have those injuries you have to start playing guys that you had no intentions of playing even if you like them long term a perfect example of that is wide receiver right so they're now in a situation where they're playing true freshman wide receivers that they like in the future like Malachi Coleman was a really was a top 100 recruit was a four-star was a four-star player people really like him and he's kind of come along and he's made some plays, but they weren't hoping to have him kind of like starting necessarily to the, at the point that he was right. Um, the same way we kind of Jalen Lloyd um, is one of the other true freshmen playing a lot to say um, Jaden Doss is going to end up redshirting made a trio of true freshmen um, that, that had been playing. And so you, when you start to talk about at one point, there was a, we looked out there and there were three true freshmen at wide receiver. I think, a, I think Thomas Fedoni is a redshirt freshman or a redshirt sophomore because but he hasn't played because of the injuries at, at tight end a redshirt freshman at running back and a redshirt freshman at quarterback and so you're like okay and then there were some young guys on the offensive line and so you can tell that they're kind of just mixing and matching and doing whatever they can on offense to get personnel out there just because of those injuries now if people from Nebraska are listening to this, they will say you have gone way too long without mentioning the turnovers. The turnovers have also been an enormous issue for Nebraska because you cannot. The one thing that also I also mention to people when I talk about the Iowa comparison is that you cannot try and be Iowa when it comes to playing good defense and just ball control, flip the field, good special teams. You can't do that and lead the nation in turnovers like that doesn't compute. It doesn't work because your offense will never be good enough in that situation to then overcome all of that right and that's what they keep running into I think their quarterbacks are now if I, I think it, coming in the last game it was 22 so they threw one interception at the end the quarterback are quarterbacks alone are responsible for 23 turnovers on the season like you can't like it's very hard to win like that so when you hear the injuries and you hear all those turnovers you look up and you say how in the world does this team even have five wins like they should not have the five um that they have and so that ends up being a thing and then like the final thing really is like i said before the depth issue is the thing that you just don't you just don't have enough of it. And I know that people here are already like it. There's a lukewarm-ish feeling about Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator. Um, I think he's fine. Like there is no, like, I don't know how much you're supposed to do after all the things that I laid out to you. And you can't, it's really hard because there was a game, it was two games ago, I think it was the Maryland game where they played three quarterbacks and all three of them had at least one turnover. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation as a coach. Like, obviously no coach is coaching you to go out there and just flat out drop the ball when you're running, right? Or drop a snap or just chuck the ball up in the, air in the double coverage all of which happened in that game so like I don't know like like Marcus Satterfield for me gets kind of an he'll get an incomplete for this year and then we need to see what happens as they reshape this offense or get these guys more experience moving forward and now we talked about those five wins in the first you know more or less half of the season 
And then they've lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. Lost by three to Michigan State. That one's just the brutal one of, of these three. Because yeah. because Maryland's had some good moments this season. Yeah. They lost to Maryland 13-10. to 10. Obviously, Wisconsin has had a rough go of the season, too. But they're still Wisconsin. And they won. Uh, Wisconsin won 24-17 in a situation where it was overtime. So obviously it appears like Nebraska had them on the ropes at, at certain points in the game. Yeah. Um, I guess I also saw on, on inside Nebraska on, on your page uh, on, on your site, which you guys do great work over there. Check them out. If you haven't you. Um, that time management appeared to be an issue or, or, or coach rule referenced it. And there's an article about it on, on inside uh, Nebraska. And if you haven't seen it again, go check it out. So like, is there a commonality? Is it, is it, is it time management? Because that can be a factor in all of these games. I mean, the, when, when it's that close, like, is there any sort of, I don't know, synergy between these, these three losses, these, these recent losses? Yeah, I do. Th- I do think that the, that clock management, time management has become an issue and the thing to me that it the, the reason to me why it's happening is they're getting caught in between on whether or not to be aggressive or like kind of just run clock and just kind of let it go out. And if you think about think back to what I said about the turnovers, the new players, all of that stuff, I think that that's why they're getting caught in between. Right. And so you had a situation in that Maryland game where they could have kicked. They were driving at the end of the game, had gone like 80 some yards um, and could have kicked a field goal to tie the game. Maryland would have got the ball back. The defense probably would have stopped them. They would have went to overtime. Instead of kicking that field goal the, and on third down, they went for a touchdown pass in the corner in the end zone and threw an interception. That was the right football play in a normal offense. You would call that play. <laughs> they don't have a normal offense. They shouldn't have called the play. Like you just, you totally understand when they explain it and say, yeah, you run down in that scissors route and the guy is in the corner and either it's a touchdown and the guy comes open or you throw it out of bounds. That makes total football sense, right? You've heard that a million times. Like I said, not a normal offense, shouldn't have called the play. So you have that that happened in the Maryland game. Then you get to the game against Wisconsin last week where Nebraska drove down the field, and this was in regulation, at the end of regulation. Um, and they had – it was like a minute 20 left. They had timeouts. They let the clock – they ended up running like two plays. They let the clock run down. They weren't aggressive enough. They ended up getting the field goal, sending it to overtime, not doing anything with the ball in overtime and losing the game. And so – People were then saying, okay, well, then in this case, you should have been aggressive, and then you weren't aggressive. You let the clock run down. And so that's where, yes, clock management is an issue, but I think it's more, it's not necessarily that they – it's not James Franklin style where they're having issues managing the <laughs> clock. I think it's an issue of being caught on whether or not to be aggressive or not, which is kind of understandable, but at the same time, you gotta you have to make a decision and, and kind of go with that. The other common theme, though, in these three games, and the defense has played well, but Nebraska is just not getting those kind of game changing big plays from either side of the ball or special teams at this point in those losses, right? And some of those wins previously, they were getting really big plays. You know, you were getting a block kick um, for a scoop and score. You were getting you know a turnover that then put you deep in territory to set you up for a, um, a good play, or you were getting an explosive run play um, to be able to you know get get some points on the board. Like those plays have those plays have kind of shrunk and become far few between in this losing streak um and that's something that they'll definitely have to change if they want to get this win later this week 
Flip to the other side of of things from from the offense, which seems to be uh, their Achilles heel, to say the least, regarding uh, Nebraska. What's working so well defensively for the Cornhuskers? Boy, they they well they are well coached, well well coached. Tony White, who uh, you, I'm sure you've seen his name pop up for basically every job that has come open so far, except for Texas A&M. Tony White has been kind of mentioned in it, and it's got Nebraska fans kind of on pins and needles around here. Um, and then Matt Rule did not help matters by going out in this press conference yesterday um, and saying that, of course, Tony White would make a great head coach, and he's been called by a search firm, so people are kind of nervous about that, and so. Tony White has been awesome, um, but the defensive staff as a whole has been very good. Terrence Knight and the defensive line coach um, doesn't have, who didn't have a ton of experience but was well thought of. Um, he's done a great job with that defensive line in particular as well. Um, but then um, player-wise, they do a really, really good job of running to the ball. What you guys will see um, in the game against Iowa is that you will always see multiple hats to the football, um, and that's something that they had not done in the past well, um, and they, they do a really nice job of that they're just really sound and the defense can trip other teams up because the 335 is so it you can morph it into so many different things and you don't know where pressure is coming from and it's just difficult to prepare for plus the fact that Tony White is very good that it makes for a really good combination all right uh we and I of course have seen has seen the 335 earlier on in the season matchup with Iowa State Mm. obviously quite a bit of differences there but um well, <laughs> personnel for Iowa being the top thing, obviously, <laughs> so many of those guys that are that are not available now. But um, to to revert back to the the game at hand, Nebraska going into this one, not only is it the Iowa rivalry, these two two teams don't particularly like each other. There's uh, always beef with the state of Nebraska and the state of Iowa. Uh that but the Cornhuskers are also fighting for a bowl game and then you look at last year's game what happened in Kinnick Cooper DeGene goes down I mean is this team just like roaring and ready to go just you know on foaming at the mouth ready to take on Iowa because of all these circumstances obviously Iowa just won the Big Ten West as well like where's this team at in, in, in their heads and th- that to me is the million dollar question for this week because they all basically admitted after the game last week that, e- that everyone was really dejected um, and kind of broken after that game and losing that one to Wisconsin and it hurt really bad. And so my question has been, you know, it's only Tuesday, so we don't fully know yet is how has the team really responded to that? Because it is it like you laid out, it's not hard to get up for your rival for a bowl opportunity um, and, to, you know, start your own little winning streak against them like that would be nice. Right. And so that that should by the time we get to the game, Nebraska should be in position to be where they're foaming at the mouth, ready to go out there for that game. But I do think that there was some licking of the wounds from the previous game to Wisconsin. Um, and so that could end up being a factor. Um, but I do think that this it's it's funny to me that you, you mentioned that the that, you know, there's beef between the states and, you know, the rivalry and all of that. And I agree that the fan bases have always kind of gone at each other. And I think that Iowa's players 
have always been rearing to go about this rivalry. And I'm not always sure that Nebraska met their intensity. And I don't think that that flipped until it was actually two years ago. It wasn't last year with the win. I thought two years ago, Nebraska's players finally kind of were like, okay, we've got to go to another level because we're kind of getting tired of punched in the mouth here. Like it, it's getting out of hand. Right. And then after then last year, they go out and win that game. And that was under weird circumstances, considering, you know, we had the interim coach and, you know, Matt Rule getting hired and all of that. And so they kind of they pull that one out in weird circumstances on the road. I do think that it would be for Nebraska a really big deal for a number of reasons to be able to win this game. Um, But I feel like it's going to be in a a similar game to the ones that both you and I have been watching with our respective teams uh, for weeks now, where I think it's going to be close and then we'll just kind of see what happens. Over under, according to ESPN, right now, this morning, 26 and a half. Oh, that's so uh, gross. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's pretty bad. That's <laughs> the spread is Nebraska minus two and a half. Which changed. Um, it started out, I believe, Iowa minus one. And so that's interesting that it's changed. No idea why that would be the case um, other than maybe you give them home field, um, you know, but I, but it's interesting that over under man, the problem is, is that even with that over under, like I would still go the under, like it's not like, I don't, cause he's at 26 and a half. Like I see a 13, 10, 10, seven, type of situation which is basically what both teams have been playing here for weeks um because even you mentioned that 13 10 um maryland game like even maryland who has a really good offense like nebraska did a really good job of holding them down they just couldn't move the ball like and the same thing happened against wisconsin um and the same thing that happened in michigan state it's funny that michigan state game by the way is held up as like this horrible day for nebraska's defense for this year um they gave up 20 points uh on the road right so like it's just a it's weird kind of where the expectations have shifted as, as it relates to the defense and that tells you how well they have been playing um but yeah that man that over under we we're in for a treat with some <laughs> here that's that you might yeah you might call it that uh but <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that has had me kind of changing my tune on some of these well, these last two weeks, obviously 15 to 13 is not a barn burner by any means for that Iowa, Illinois game. But Deacon Hill is really starting to figure things out. I said it to Adam. I said it on on Hawkcast here uh, just a couple weeks ago after that 22 to zero win over Rutgers mm-hmm. is in that postgame presser. We saw a different Deacon Hill than we've seen the previous six weeks. And we had seen the previous six weeks. He has a command of the offense. You know, obviously he's still I mean, like he's he's not Cade McNamara. Like, like we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna say that. Adam and and had said that maybe we have a quarterback competition going into next year. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> but Deacon Hill has made some great strides, some enormous strides in the last few weeks. He's still Deacon Hill. He doesn't have great pocket awareness. Sometimes he's, I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm and sometimes he just overthrows guys. He's also listed at 260 pounds, probably is a little bit bigger than that. So 
the the mobility isn't exactly there though he did run for a first down on i think like third and seven last week which was (laughs) mind-blowing to everybody in the press box that's for sure but the offense has looked significantly better six weeks ago five weeks ago four weeks ago they would have lost that game against illinois um i think you flip the minnesota game to now and Deacon Hill can get them in a position to kick that field goal, though they were riding off that, I mean, roller coaster of emotions within like five minutes of that Cooper DeGene, you know, the return that wasn't. So I part of me is like, Elliot, hit the over. You've seen the how the <laughs> Iowa offense has been. And then part of me is like, Elliot, <laughs> no, yeah. you know, and so I feel like I could I could see. Uh, it going both ways i mean as in like iowa scores 17 as opposed to 10 you know mm-hmm. like and there's there's a big difference there with how the offense operates yeah. oh, i yeah. mean if if it's 10 10 7 whatever they only score 10 points they just have to get into nebraska territory you know up to a decent portion of that territory by way of a turnover through stevens kicks a field goal and then they get lucky with one score like they did against Northwestern when the offense was that bad, but 17 points, you know, you got to have a level of consistency with the offense. So I'm going to have to go. man, I don't know. I want to hear your, I want to hear your prediction first. Do you have a final score prediction at this point in the week? Man, um, not yet. It's funny. I have to do another video later today, like late this afternoon, where I have to have one. Um, and I haven't, I don't have one for either. Um, I think though, I, I, man, that 17 points though is kind of swirling around in my head is that like that's the number that you're gonna have to get to to win this game. Um, it's just whether or not it's it's weird because Nebraska has hit and they did it last week, they hit two explosive plays for touchdowns against Wisconsin. And then they, for a long, long stretch of time, just kind of turtled up and didn't do anything. Like several three and outs did nothing. And so they've shown the ability to hit a couple of those. They're at home. Iowa, it, the, the defense is very good. Obviously, with the struggles on offense, the special teams won't be as good in, as far as the return game without DeGene. Um, I, I think Nebraska... Right now, I would say 17-13 Nebraska and not feel great about it. It doesn't neither neither would surprise me. Neither team winning would surprise me, obviously. Um, but the one thing that I'm I'm fairly certain of is it's gonna be one of those low-scoring, kind of ugly games um uh, where field position becomes really important. And the thing about that though is that the uh, something that's also really reared its ugly head for Nebraska, and this is definitely something to watch. Brian Buschini, the punter, has been on the struggle bus here recently. Like, it has not been good. And in a game in which points are at a premium and field position and flipping the field becomes so important, not being able to do that when it feels like every team in the conference has an all-world punter. Like, I I swear to goodness, every week you look up and every team has a great punter. Um, And so the other team always has that. And Nebraska has struggled with that. And so that could be a thing that ends up helping Iowa quite a bit in this game, especially if, the, if both offenses are sputtering along. And then you have a shank punt for Nebraska. And then all of a sudden that that flips the field in the other way, right? It's because we've seen that. It happened last week against Wisconsin. And so 
that kind of has me nervous as well if they can't get that ironed out. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with 17-13 Nebraska and kind of a, a classic Big Ten West uh, showdown to kind of, I guess, to, to start the final weekend of Big Ten West play, right? And I tell you what, I could see it going both ways too. Yeah. Especially because it's at Nebraska, especially because of the DeGene injury. Though Deshaun Lee is not TJ Hall, from last year. Craig yeah. Palmer cooked TJ Hall the entirety of that game. That's not going to happen to Deshaun. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have Trey Palmer. So it's not there's right, exactly no, there's right. no right. one in that <laughs> realm. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't worry about that. Okay. So, um, so I take note of that. I'm gonna say 1710 Iowa. So okay. for now, Greg and I say hammer the over. Just kidding. Don't don't do that. No, no, this is one you stay away from. <laughs> yeah, you just stay away from it totally. Though I think that I thought I feel like I saw a stat and I wish I had saved it where like in these crazy Iowa over-unders where they've been so low, the majority of them hit the under still. So like oh, yeah. so, and I feel like it's the same way with Nebraska. Nebraska's been creeping that way too, um, with their over-unders, and they're just not they're not quite there, but this one will be an all-timer when it comes to that. It could be, it honestly, it would not shock either of us if this is seven to three, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right. And uh, to boot, Iowa has hit the under uh, six straight games. Okay. Fun fact for you. So yeah. Oh boy. We're in for, (laughs) we're in for a fun one this Saturday. So Greg and I are going to wrap it up here. Before I let Greg go, he and I are going to talk a little bit about recruiting, and that'll be something that we add to our premium board, assuming you have a little bit of time, Greg. Yeah. Uh, not not super, super long, but he and I are going to talk about recruiting, including highly coveted number one quarterback in the state, Alex Mansky. That's going to go on our premium board. So if you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can check us out there, iwithoutrivals.com backslash subscribe. Some great content on one of the top quarterbacks in the Midwest in Mansky, getting offers from all over the place now. He is a three-star, and that very well could rise to a four-star by the time it's all said and done. So we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Hotcast brought to you by iwithoutrivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, like I said, you can do that at iwithoutrivals.com backslash subscribe. Subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and especially on YouTube. Drop a like, drop a comment. Tell us who do you think is going to win? What's the final score for this weekend or this Friday, rather, this Black Friday matchup with Iowa and Nebraska? And again, on Apple Podcasts, leave that rate and review. Helps us out. Makes us very happy. So for now, we'll see you next time.